we have to make sure that we keep the trade going because otherwise we we won't see the other side because for us for me and Holly if this place is not open we've got nothing I'm Danny Vallant and this is Dirty Linen the podcast that takes the issues the hospitality industry finds hard to air in public and shakes them all about Israeli chef Ehud Malka loves hummus more than just about anybody I know and there are a lot of people that love hummus. His uh, little restaurant in South Melbourne, Left Handed Chef, is so full of heart. Uh, the food is vibrant. He's brought a style of Israeli food to Melbourne that I think we were waiting for. And Ehud is no stranger to hard work. I remember when I wrote about the restaurant last year, I was really blown away by his story. Uh, just the amount of time, effort, energy and self-belief that he put into creating Left-Handed Chef in Melbourne is really inspiring and almost unbelievable. I think the last few months have tested him probably more than any other time, but he's really been tested before, so let's find out. Ehud, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good, but ready for um, another test. <laughs> Yeah, well, tell me, tell me about this week. The restaurant we've just gone back into lockdown in Melbourne. Um, it's uh, it's been a really tough week, I reckon. Yeah, it's um, when when it all kind of started going towards it. To be honest, I um, I told my wife that I have a bit of a gut feel that it's heading their way. Um, so somewhere in my head I started getting ready for it even though I hope that it's not gonna go there um, but obviously as soon as um, all the news over the what's happening this week started um, going out and then the the press conference when they said that it's happening which was on a Tuesday which is my day off um, kind of made me just uh, go back home I was helping a friend with moving a house I was just going straight home and trying to just think how and what we're doing now um, because it's been very hard to do that transition the first time uh, but I think we managed to get on a bit of a wave after that but obviously with the hope of opening again and then when we opened again I think because I'm sort of doing everything here in the restaurant, including the marketing, I sort of dropped the guards of the deliveries a little bit um, because I wanted to see that I wanted to see that dining in experience coming back. Um, and obviously, with hearing the news again that we're going back to deliveries and pickups and takeaways, um, it kind of just put a bit of a stop into the progress that I was hoping to see this year going to, I think. <laughs> or not just me. I think everyone was hoping to see the, the the year progressing in a better direction than it was going until now. Yeah, well, we didn't think it could get worse. We thought we'd been through enough, but apparently we've got a bit more to go through. So uh, Left-Handed Chef's a small place. Like, is it, what is it, 20 seats or so? Um, well, we 
obviously in a normal capacity on a normal capacity sorry we can have about 28 people sitting inside and another 16 yeah. sitting outside um okay. with the restrictions we've kind of lowered to about 12 people sitting inside um well we actually allowed only 10 to allow sort of two more uh, sort of a way of two more walking in or in and out we we didn't want to sort of have too many people inside at the same time right and um you didn't really have the easiest time of it with with some of those customers did you T tell us some of the things that that happened as people try tried to get their heads around the restrictions or perhaps didn't try hard enough to understand what it meant for a restaurant to be so restricted? Yeah, the the first, I think the first week, which was a transition, I think it was for everyone, um, kind of got me a bit, got me a bit hard with the reviews and the feed, well, some of the reviews and the feedback. Obviously, there was a lot of, um, we had a lot of amazing support, but some of the things that we got like we had, I think it was the first or the second night that we could have uh, bookings. We even had someone uh, coming in and leaving after a while. And then when I, I leaving before even ordering, just leaving. And after I tried to, I contact them, sorry. And I um, tried to see if there was an issue or if we couldn't serve them or anything was wrong. And sort of the, the, the response that I got was uh, the, they wanted to celebrate the end of lockdown and we were too casual or stuff like that. Or um, I got some, I even just saw recently someone writing that, uh, well, I'll take the good side of their feedback. That the food was amazing and um, the service was great, uh, but we need to uh, work on the ambience and the atmosphere because the place was empty. Uh, which <laughs> something that, you know, anyway, I can't push people inside and force customers to come and have dinner. But especially at this time, um, I think if people are going out, they need to understand that you, you, if you, well, not now, obviously, but if you go out to dine in, yeah. you could have uh, understand that you might be the only person in the restaurant. Like on Tuesday, just before it all started, me and my wife went for a brunch to support a friend in queue. And we were the only people in the place. But that's what it is um, now. So you sort of, you can't turn and go to the business owner and sort of tell them, well, thanks, the food was great and the service was great, but it was too, it was quiet. Like where are the rest of the customers? It's kind of like pointing the obvious. We know, <laughs> we know that it's yes, that's right. hard to get customers in at that time. And it's, it, it was hard. People need to understand. I suppose we really hope that out of this, uh, the dining public will understand a lot more about what it means to own and run a restaurant and especially to understand how difficult it is for people that run restaurants right now. Uh, I think it, it puts restaurateurs in such a tricky position to be the enforcer of rules and especially when rules keep changing. And I guess before you enforce, I suppose it's about communicating. It's uh, it, it certainly adds a layer of difficulty to what is already 
super difficult circumstances. So uh, uh, the first lockdown you closed, but you did take away. And I remember talking to you at some point during that, you know, you had some really good days, but then some days you're just sitting there waiting for the bing of the iPad, like take me back to to lockdown number one. Um, Well, in the the first sort of lockdown, the the first couple of weeks were very, very hard. We would, we obviously had busier days, uh, mainly Fridays and Saturdays. Um, obviously with the, the majority of the crowd that sort of ordered the food, sort of got, got the food on Fridays and Saturdays. But the other days we would have just sit here around the table just waiting for um, either my phone sort of go off with an order or one of the tablets. Um going off with with an order and that that was very very draining um we obviously we tried it for a b- about a week um it was so, so draining to sit here for so many hours from like from 12 until 9 some days with the random order so we um we minimized the hours a little bit we sort of did a a lunch service and a dinner service but still, there were some nights that I didn't even tell my wife to come here because I didn't want to sort of feel bad of wasting her time. Um, I would come here and, eat and wait for orders to come in. Um, and it was, it was very mentally draining. Uh, I think it was a, a bit of a, a cut, two or three weeks that everyone went through the phase of understanding of the new sort of reality that we're facing. Um, so that was very hard to push through, but we sort of, we managed to push through that and uh, managed to sort of have a bit more of a steady-ish delivery service um, for most of the days. We even got to a point that I think towards the end of the the end of the lockdown, uh, with the restrictions that sort of got a bit lighter and people could have, could host more sort of friends and family. Um, so we actually got bigger and bigger orders, which sort of ma- made it worth for us. Um, so it, it actually got to a point that, that it was okay. It was, we, we could sort of see, see it going and keeping us ticking over. Um, especially because for us, for me and Holly, if this place is not open, we've got nothing. I mean, you came here as an international student and I mean, that's a while ago now, but tell me, tell me about your, your status in Australia. So at at the moment we're on a bridging visa. Um, I know it sounds weird because I've got a business for eight years and people, not, most people wouldn't understand how come a business owner have a bridging visa. But when I opened this place eight years ago, um, I I was on a different process of a visa. It doesn't matter. But the, the whole sort of system worked so slow that I got churned into a system that um, the immigration system, that all the decisions that were made for me, were just either too late or too slow. I was going from one appeal to the other uh, while I was trying to run the business and establish it. So 
I, I fell through the cracks so many times with the, the immigration status that I had. Um, and, and obviously not being a, I, I, I still am, I'm a chef. I'm not a businessman. So the passion got me to open the restaurant, not money. So when I, when I opened and ran the restaurant, we obviously never made enough money for the business to physically um, sponsor me. So we had to find other alternatives, which we, which we did and we had. Um, but it kind of managed to get us up to a certain point, which was uh, the beginning of the year pretty much. Well, I guess, you know, so just, just to be clear for anyone listening, what, what it means is that you're not eligible for any government support during this time. So you're not eligible for JobKeeper. Your business doesn't receive um, any of that ongoing government support. Um, it, it's, I suppose, you know, I can totally understand how you get into this position because you're not afraid of work. You always would be able to support yourself. You've been here for many years paying taxes. Um, you wouldn't ever think that that would be something that you'd be in a position to look to the government for, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I never did. And to be honest, the, the, when the year started, we with that big transition that we made with the restaurant with the restaurant last year, when we sort of made that big big transition from being a cafe to a restaurant, that's where my hopes for the financial aspect started, and it really it really worked for us. We could sort of base a financial history of a few months, so I can be dependent on the restaurant and sort of make sure that everything will work. Um, but obviously, when everything in February, well, end of February in March, when everything went to shutdown and we lost about 60 or 70% of the, of the trade, um, the numbers also went down with it. And obviously, every hope of application towards it went down the drain as well. Um, so we got stuck in a position of a bridging visa, which doesn't allow us to get JobKeeper or any other sort of help. So we, that's what I mean when I say we have to make sure that we keep the trade going because otherwise we, we won't see the other side. Um, we, we won't be able to end it. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your background and how you come to be here in Melbourne running a hummus here, a restaurant built around hummus. Um, I, I, grew, I was born and I grew up in, in Jerusalem. Um, in, uh, actually, I, I was born in Jerusalem, but I grew up in Mivaseret, which is a small town next to Jerusalem. Um, and I guess... Food was always, or is, I think, always around you when, in, in, I think everywhere in the world, food is always around you. But I guess I always had something towards cooking at home and doing stuff at home. I never thought that this is what I'm going to have to do at the end, or this is what I'm going to do with my life. Uh, but I think gradually with, um, with the years, I sort of looked at kitchens and chefs and I really thought that this is something I would love to do. And obviously I, I came here to travel after the army. That's 18 years ago. 
So I came here to travel and uh, it was kind of like a love story. I fell in love with travel in majority of Australia. Me and my friend, we ended up in Melbourne. I fell in love with the city. My decision was, was that I'll come back here to um, live and I went back to Israel, worked as a pastry chef for about three years, um, worked, save a lot of money so I can come here and study and see if that can sort of carry me forward to um, stay and see, see if it's something that I really want to do. Uh, obviously, uh, with the years after I came back here, um, I loved the city more and more every day uh, with the life and the, the passion that people have here for food and the whole culture around it. It's things that it's hard to explain sometimes. Um, so obviously working so much in hospitality, I think most chefs get to a point that they say, that's it. I had enough. I had enough working a hundred hours a week for that person that pays me for 50. Um, and I'm doing so much for him. That's it. If I'm doing it, I'm doing it for myself. Um, so with not much of a thought, I just took every bit of savings I had. Um, I looked for a place and I think this was the second place that was available. And I, I just took it. It was kind of a feeling that I had, and I did. I obviously didn't do my research or the the. I I always worked with feelings, so I ended up. There was no marketing plan. No, nah, nothing. No marketing plan. Nothing. No, nothing. We were laminating menus the night before I opened. Um, but didn't you work at that when you first took on the cafe? Weren't you working there during the day and then working somewhere else at night? Or was, what was the story there? Yeah, well, when I when I opened the place um, after after about six months, I I realized that I can't really keep running into such a big loss with every single day because it, it was hard. Obviously, the, the marketing tools that are available now weren't as popular eight or nine years ago for um, restaurants. So it was harder to push the restaurant, the place to people that didn't know about our existence. And yeah, and I just, my friend had a restaurant in Gardenville and I had to just try and make extra money. So I was here seven days from three o'clock in the morning until five, six PM. And then on Friday, Saturday, Sunday nights, I would go and work in his restaurant just to get those five or $600 every week to help me at least pay for the, um, pay the bills for pay the suppliers. Um, I grew up, this is how I grew up in restaurants that you have to make sure that your staff is happy and get paid and that the suppliers are getting paid all the time. There's no, no such thing as owing, a, owing your fruit and veg guy $5,000 because they also have a family that they need to support. Uh, so I had to make sure that everyone's getting paid. So yeah, in the, the first, in the first two years, I had to work three nights 
a week on top of of what I had here just to make sure that I get money in to try and sustain the place. So what what is it, Ehud, that makes you work so hard, be so stubborn, throw everything at it? Like what is it about your place that makes you want to be there so much and make it a success? Well, stubborn is, is something my mom always said I am. She's, she's always saying I'm stubborn. And if I've got something that I'm really passionate about, I'll do, I'll do anything in my way to, to get it. Um, I think I always, hospitality was always, is always some, it, it means to me a lot, a lot more than just, um, seeing people and giving them food and saying goodbye. It's, it's the, the connection that we create between the us and the customers. It's the connections that you have with other restaurant owners, with other chefs, with suppliers. It's a, it's, it's something that it very hard for me sometimes to explain because a lot of people sort of ask me, "Oh, so how much money do you make? Uh, how much the how much is the restaurant successful? And how uh, what car do you drive?" It's not about for me. It's not about, and I, I don't think it's only for me. But obviously, I can speak only for myself. It's it's not about the money that you make. Hospitality is something that you do uh, with passion and just love what you're doing. Um, it's, it, I don't think you can cook food without and actually have it successfully and tasty if, if you don't have everything invested in it. It's not, it's not something that you can do just because, just because you want to, I don't know, um, drive a nicer car. Well, I mean, I know... Even to, even when I asked you one day, like one question, like, you know, how do you make your hummus? And then about an hour later, you stopped telling me. It's like there is so much thought and passion and heart in what you do. And I reckon, you know, you can taste it in that beautiful hummus of yours. And I, 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 to hear you talk about your connection with your with your customers and and the meaning of of giving people food and looking after them it makes me feel really sad one able to do that you're not able to do that right now and it makes it, i want to circle back to the beginning of this conversation and and ask you like is this the biggest test that you've faced it's yeah yeah it's it, it is it definitely is as much as much as it, as it was hard in the beginning when i just opened the restaurant um, it was hard to power through things. I think now it's, it feels because it's, it feels like we're not, we actually going backwards, which is what it is in the, some point. Um, it, it's just hard to sort of plan and predict and think what, Think what to do with 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 everything we're I'm basically doing here, um, it, it, because because everything here is is well me and and Holly or oh, I'm doing the marketing like I said and I come and cook and if you 
if you call if you call to place an order you'll get me if you'll text to place an order you'll get me if you'll send a message on instagram you'll get me because of all of those things it's just hard to know what to focus in what to sort of drive where to put the energy in because it's just very draining and you know like today i know we're just back to lockdown but today was we had a very quiet day so it's kind of hard to keep pushing yourself forward um i'm very lucky that i've got friends that are helping i've got obviously my wife that helps a lot uh, but i think at these times that's what sort of keeps keeps me going uh, mentally it's very very hard to regenerate that energy all the time to uh, push takeaways and market takeaways and do the it's just it's it's just something that i think that a lot of owners can relate to because once you once you're trying to push something and suddenly it stopped you have to do something else it's just it's hard to because results always take time so i know once once we actually manage to build up a delivery and takeaway trade we obviously open for dining so it's hard now to push back for it it sometimes feel, it sometimes feel like I just don't have the the energy to do it. I don't know. It's you know every every day feels like a year with when we once we're going through it. There's so many emotions that goes through the day. You you sort of you don't know what to expect, and you you know we all hope that it's it's six weeks is six weeks, but you know we're we're trying to stay positive that it is only going to be six weeks. Um, so it's, I think it's very hard. Is, is the cooking part, like, is the food a, a respite from the stress and, and the worry, or is it, is it hard to, uh, put the love that you want to put into the food when things are so difficult? Um, I think the food is one thing that with me will never suffer. Um, <laughs> It doesn't matter how tired I am or how stressed I am or how many things I have to do or if I've got 50 million things in my head. Um, I, When I cook, I'm in a completely different world. Uh, when I get here, when I come here to do the hummus before lunch service and then again before dinner service, um, I'm completely disconnected from anything else that happens. It doesn't matter to me if there's a war outside or it doesn't matter what it is. <laughs> the, the food is just, for me, it's what keeps me, makes me happy. When I, when we have a good service, when we have a, a when we have a busy service to send all the food and, and get the feedback from people, the, the, that, that focus on the food making is something that for me just doesn't matter how how much stress there is i'll always have a hundred percent concentration in it and it's kind of it's kind of kind of my little world of i don't know little bubble of happiness 
<laughs> uh, yeah, well, I'm having your Shabbat dinner this week. I can't wait to enjoy that yeah. with my family. And as you're talking, you know, the, I think the passion is so evident. Like I can almost taste it. I can almost, I can listen to you speak about food and it's almost like I can taste the I could feel the parsley crunching in my mouth and I can just see the golden brown roasted cauliflower and I can feel the hummus in my mouth just like a fluffy, smooth cloud with, um, yeah, so much care and concern for every single chickpea. Uh, so, yeah, I really I have no doubt that the love that you feel and, and that, that through line of, you know, passion and belief in the importance of food comes through in every every single mouthful. Um, I know you're going to come through this. Um, I think it's going to be, yeah, pretty pretty tough, but I think your restaurant is such a great uh, addition to Melbourne and uh, I'm so glad that you fell in love with Melbourne and that we get to experience your food. So, Ehud, thank you, thank you yeah. so much for chatting to Dirty Linen and, and thank you for bringing what you do to Melbourne. Hey, thank you very much. I'm, I'm very happy and I'm very pleased that there's this supporting network for places and business owners. It, it means the world. There, there's so much that people don't understand what happened. People are not understanding, sorry, what's behind the scenes. Um, and every little sort of support helps business owners to get through another day and open the door or sorry uh, make more takeaways and deliver now it's every, everything counts um, mentally it it helps to sort of it just helps to deal with the with everything that's happening now so thank you thank thank you very much for 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 all the help and support well i know that what you're the words that you've spoken today and the food that you're sharing with the community is a big help as well. So thanks so much, Ahud, and I'm looking forward to my Shabbat dinner. Thank you very much. Thanks, Danny. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about. We spend a week thrashing around each issue, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This is a Deep in the Weeds production.